This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain on the Vancouver film and television industry and expose its beating heart. Namely, the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Rani Firminger. I'm recording this on Saturday, February 3rd, 2024. We're three weeks away from the two-year anniversary of Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Two years, a lifetime, a blink of an eye. Ukraine and Ukrainians have been changed in innumerable, inconceivable ways by this war. The cruelty and devastation of Russia's invasion is only surpassed by the bravery and determination of the Ukrainian people and the support of Ukrainians in the diaspora and non-Ukrainian governments and people all over the world. Even here at YVR Screen Scene, we've raised more than $125,000 for Ukrainian humanitarian relief. As Ukrainian Canadian, my heart has been broken and stitched back together again countless times over the last 709 days. It's also been nearly two years since I first hosted Kristina Savolap on the YVR Screen Scene podcast in a 2022 episode entitled Ukrainian filmmaker Kristina Savolap shares her refugee story. You can find a link to that first episode in the footnotes and everywhere you listen to podcasts. I first met Kristina in late spring 2022. She'd only been in Canada for a few weeks having fled Kyiv with her young daughter shortly after Russia's full-scale invasion. We found each other through the Women and Gender Diverse Filmmakers Group, and since then, I hosted her on the podcast and presented the North American premiere of her beautiful feature film, Vidana, at the 2023 YVR Screen Scene for Ukraine Gala. Kristina is fiercely talented, creative, thoughtful, funny, and brave. All of that was evident in our first conversation. In that initial episode, she spoke about the Ukrainian film industry she loved and had to flee, and the myriad of challenges faced by Ukrainian film professionals turned refugees who arrive in Canada with little more than their lives and want to get to work. On February 10th, Kristina will screen her film in North Vancouver's beautiful Centennial Theater as part of an event called Real Aid, a film fundraiser for Ukraine. That's real with two E's. The screening is a fundraiser for the Adam Tactical Group, which is comprised of defenders, drone operators, and fire support working in and around Bakhmut. It's an important cause and one that I know is very dear to Kristina's heart for a multitude of reasons, not the least of which is that the editor of Vidana, famed Ukrainian film editor Viktor Onisko, was killed in battle last December. So today, Kristina will update us on the last couple, 20 months or so, since we first featured her on the podcast. We'll talk about her adventures, or misadventures, as the case may be, in trying to find work in our local film industry. And we'll talk about this ongoing war and why people outside of Ukraine should care about Ukraine's existential fight for freedom. Kristina, moja dorha sestra i moja ulublena ukrainska regisserka. Laskavo prosimo do podcastu YVR Screen Scene. Hello, hi. Your Ukrainian hi. is getting better every day. Congrats. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. When I speak, though, to friends from Ukraine, um, like I go in with confidence because I'm like, I know thousands of words now. Um, I can sound stuff out. 
y'all speak too fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too fast. So if I were able to like slow you down like 25%, then I would be able to to follow a conversation. That's actually what we <laughs> as non-English speakers yes. feel about you. It is a challenge. Such a challenge with such a beautiful language too. So That's great. I'm happy you enjoyed. So I you and I have been in regular contact over, you know, over the last couple of years, uh definitely since you were first on the podcast, but this is our first time speaking on, you know, on this podcast to podcast listeners since 2022. So, how have you been? <laughs> how have the last couple of years treated you? Oh wow. Um I have so many to tell. I'm not sure where to start. It's okay. I got I got questions. I got questions. It's fine. It's fine. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much, Sabrina, for all you do for um, Ukraine. And for me personally, I just feel so cozy here in this room with this huge Ukrainian flag on your door. And, you know, it just feels I am welcomed. It doesn't feel that way everywhere here in Vancouver. So yeah, these um, moments, I appreciate them. It's precious. Well, I appreciate you very much. Um, I mentioned when I talked about your journey, your career journey specifically of the last, you know, I guess 20 months or so, talked about adventures and misadventures. You know, I think when you were on the podcast um, beforehand, you know, you were just trying to, I mean, that's how we found each other was you had posted in that group. You wanted to meet people. You were uh, directed like 24 episodes of television and a feature film and you'd done a lot of work and you wanted to continue in that work. What what kind of challenges have you faced as you have tried to work in this industry? Um, so first of all, I think I faced like the huge cultural difference between mm. Ukrainian film industry and in general, just Ukrainian behavior and Canadian. Um, I think the main difference is that Ukrainians they hurry to live in general that's why i was able to achieve so many by 30 years old you know Mm. and when i came here i started speaking to people what have i done like i have these 24 hours 24 episodes of television like a feature film a short film with awards yeah and like a forbes 30 under 30 award and like all these things and i face that people they are kind of weirdly surprised Hmm. because in this space you don't do that when you're that young and i felt like people some of them even didn't quite believe me or Mm. they think like well a film director well you did some i don't know like small personal projects or anything like you know i felt they do not truly understand what am i talking about Mm -hmm. when i say that i directed a feature film it is a big budget period piece with one of the biggest budgets in Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, it had hundreds and hundreds of extras and yes, it's, it's like so it is a huge lavish. project. Yeah, but when I say like I directed a feature film, I feel like people do not quite connect that it's kind of possible in my young age, mm. just because they probably are used to like situation in here that you have to work years and years towards being like having a chance to direct a big film kind of thing um so it was kind of interesting but i also faced misunderstanding i guess yeah because before like a person watched my film they do not understand like what am i talking about but then when somebody watched the film especially i'm very grateful for the opportunity to show it in march 2023 at yvr screen scene um screening yeah uh i received so many um just like beautiful words about it and people were so surprised that i understand that they didn't realize that this is possible you know that this is possible and also that this is this is like, I don't even know what people think a Ukrainian film is, but people came out and been like, that's what a Ukrainian film is? 
wow, I want more. I want to know more you yeah. know, about this industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, the other problem that I, I understand it. Our film industry, it is small. It's just, you know, it's if we say that industry you would have ages, um, Ukrainian film industry is a teenager now. Mm. You know, Canadian film industry is a like a very mature person Mm -hmm. but like in ukraine yeah it is it is still growing and i understand why people do not know much about it but at the same time it exists and when i i also faced when i'm talking to people about ukrainian films here in canada i see they do not understand like they might have seen something on netflix like winter and fire but it is not a ukrainian film but actually i'd like to mention that this just like a few weeks ago uh, we had news which is very big for ukrainian film industry that for the first time ukrainian film was nominated for oscars and it is a big deal um the film is called 20 20 days Days in mariupol yeah i have watched this film a few weeks ago i like it's even hard to recommend it if you get what I say, it like, is. It is. Um, yeah, and and you can you can find if if you are on the internet, you can find this film and and watch this. Film. Yeah, it is for free um, in Canada and the US. Yeah, it's um, it's it's powerful. It's it is about it. The what it says in the title that the the first twenty days of you know full scale invasion in Mariupol, at which you know there were a lot of of incredible images that were coming out from that. Well, this is a story of how those images were taken. So you see the scale of the devastation, but it's intimate and it brings you into you know the people and what they're going through. It's um, it's a film that I think you know it's it's what documentary. You know yeah can do yeah yeah and i truly appreciate and ukrainians are very glad that this came out to that um scale of you know the oscars nomination because it means that more people will be aware of what happened and it is very important that this film is seen and i'm hoping so much that it will win the oscars because it has to have uh, like it has to have attention but at the same time i think this is the most awful thing i've ever seen in my life i've cried so hard i it's it's heartbreaking so i truly recommend watching this film to our listeners but at the same time please be ready that images can be traumatic and as war is like this is how war looks like yes yeah this is this is how war looks like and this is what it does to a land and its people um let, let's move back though for a moment to um and i i love talk i always love talking to you because we talk about all sorts of things and so we're talking about like <laughs> yeah. ukrainian film industry and but like you specifically i mean because yes on one hand you want to work as a director this is all you know how to do in your chosen field you also want to need to work, like yes. just to work, ideally in the field. So what is happening as you're you're trying to find work and people and you're having these meetings uh, and you know and people are like, oh, you're so young and you have to go through through this whole path or whatever. Like, how do you how do you like what do you do to your expectations? You know about what you want and what your dreams are. You know and and like what, what was going on with that? Oh, wow. That's a cool question. Yeah, I've had... And I say that with knowledge, too, because we've been friends the whole time. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but hopefully we can we can talk as we try to... Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Just, I, I'm pretending it's the I'm first the time. I'm the avatar for the listener, yeah. you see. I'm asking Thank the you. stuff that they want to know. <laughs> so, hum. <laughs> you know, I've had... A whole existential crisis uh, through this whole path of almost two years in Canada. I truly appreciate being here. I appreciate the safety I've been having for me and my daughter. And um, I, I am still feeling and I felt a lot of support, like personally, to my kid, to my people, you know, in general, I do feel safe here. Mm. And um, it's, it's a very important feeling for me. 
But um, work-wise, it was tough. Um, it's kind of weird that, okay, I've made the CV, this resume for myself, which basically has just the directing work because that's what I did for like 10 years. I've studied directing, then right away I was lucky to get funding for my first short film, and then I was lucky to <laughs> uh, be proposed a real job in directing the TV show. Yeah. And like then it's all like I've never did a different job in my life. Yeah. That means I know how to do directing, but it also means that I do not have like different skills. Mm. You know, well, director is a person who has multi uh, skills. But at the same time, when I was asked, okay, we can't propose you a director's job, but what else can you do in film? I was shocked with the fact that I don't know what to answer. Because huh. I actually do not know. I can't be a first AD because like, I do understand how it works, but I've never did it. Right. I do understand how set decoration works, but like, can I do that? Uh, I'm not sure. And like, because you it, went right into directing. Yeah, I I haven't had this path as many people do, but at the same time, it's also a path. Like you know, just study for yeah. five years in the university, specifically directing, and then go and uh, do it. And I've learned a lot of things on set, but specifically about directing. And um, I realized that when people are not ready to give me a director's job because. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> I've heard different things. Some people told me, "Oh, because you, but but you never directed anything English speaking," which is a weird um, thing to say when I'm talking to a person and they can hear I am speaking English mm. and they can read subtitles in my works, but at the same time they somehow cannot connect it. <laughs> or I've heard different reasons, like, "Hey, well, you have to." Um, go through a path like us through ADing 10 years or through like script supervising for years or like all these things but because probably people are just share, sharing their paths you know mm -hmm. and they and they had to put that time in and take that of, yeah. yeah and how can I come and just like take this job that they spent years to to have yeah it's 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 a tricky mm. question you know and I also do not want to invade someone's like job but I understand that I can do that like yeah. I am capable I am confident and I I just know how to do it and I can't speak English <laughs> so obviously Clearly. I think I can direct in English I, I I assume yes I realized I cannot propose anything else than that unfortunately it made me so sad actually because it felt like oh I do not have skills like mm. you know just like for even for survival job kind of thing uh i understood that okay probably i have to do the usual immigration path that a lot of immigrants face when they come with their skills and diplomas and everything and they cannot prove their qualification right, here their, their qualifications are not recognized yeah by and i here yeah i faced that and i realized okay probably that's the story here as well uh, but then I thought, okay, but I don't know what should I do. And um, I've been meeting people for, I think, four or five months. So I've had these meetings, but at the same time, I didn't get a job. Mm. And as months passed by, I realized that I needed, like Vancouver is an expensive city as you all know, <laughs> and it's yeah. kind of impossible. Like I did have a support from a community. I did, um, I was hosted by a generous Canadian family. We've lived in their house for free for a few months because without that, I, it, I don't know how yeah. would I, I don't know how people from Ukraine come and just have to pay a full rent right away. It is expensive, extremely. Like if you compare it to Ukrainian money, when mm. you bring Ukrainian money with you, 
it's nothing it's like twice less it's just the prices are different so it is difficult to spend ukrainian hryvnias here in canada you have to kind of like i think that the the only way is to earn canadian dollars yeah to kind of survive the hryvnias in ukraine and like just yeah so in five months of my (laughs) meeting journey um i've had an offer to work as a cast assistant on the TV show uh, on Yellow Jacket season two. It was a weird thing to to do because like I was confident that, okay, I will meet that person who will say, okay, I believe in you and here's here's the opportunity for you to be a director here. Yeah. But instead I've got an opportunity to um, do a very little job on set to be honest Uh, but of course i was very happy for it as well i've done this job for like um, five months i think or six months um it was an incredible and a very difficult (laughs) physically experience yeah because like it if I if I even just from like my knowledge of yellow jackets, this was not in the summertime in the daytime. Oh, no. This was like fall and winter at nights and in the rain and whatever, right? Lots of night shifts <laughs> in the woods. Um, lots of just very long shifts, 15 hours shifts, especially wow. like basically I was part of AD team and AD yeah. team is the team um, who just spends the most hours on set. Yeah. So yeah, then after that, I've kept trying. Yeah. We've had this beautiful screening uh, in March and uh, I met some wonderful people. I've met Brian Markinson. Yeah, so I friend. Yeah, I invited and a friend and um, regular uh, visitor to the podcast. But yeah, Brian walked out of the screen and he came up to me and he's like, "She needs a she needs a directing agent. Like that is just remarkable." And he he made stuff happen. Like yeah. he just like really because he saw your work. Your work was like this ambassador for not just for Ukraine but also for you, right? And he's like, "I gotta, you know." I got to move some mountains. I'm so happy. Uh, yeah, I met him. Thanks for connecting us and for inviting him to the screening. Oh, he's he's wonderful and so supportive. Yeah, you know, yeah. And stuff. That's I kind of feel like what I love to do too. You know, is just like bringing, like introducing. And honestly, like I always I always tell people too because people be like, I want to support. You know, um, you know, I want to support Ukraine. I want to support Ukrainians, but like, I don't have any money. And I'm like, well, you know what? Your your time is valuable. Uh, you you can volunteer your time to yeah. you know there are different organizations um where they're looking for volunteers for you know people who you know they're ukrainians who come and they do not know as much english as you know christina and maybe they need somebody to help like you know help them figure out how to use the bus system or to take them shopping you show them what your favorite coffee shops are your favorite grocery stores like that kind of stuff you give your time you open your you hire you hire them oh, yes. you know you like that's a huge one or you know you recommend them to people who are hiring and you advocate because that is something that is something we can all do because we all are part of communities we're all part of families and friends groups and stuff and you know like I feel like this that's something we can do is people people come here and you you invite them in it's not just for them to stand to stand over there you know and just be like okay they're here they're like adjacent yeah you know it's like no you you welcome them in because that's all all we have is each other I agree and um, apparently, networking is a big thing in Canada, <laughs> <laughs> as far as I understood. Everything is connected. Just um, well, this is also like a small town. Like yeah. the film and TV industry yeah. is pretty small, right? Yeah. So you know, you can get to know. That's why reputation here is also really important. Because if you if you mess up or you hurt somebody in some way, everybody knows about it, which is great. Really quickly. That's yeah. how it should work. Right. Absolutely. So, thanks to Brian, mm-hmm. he did the thing and he connected me to the agency yeah. and I've got an agent. Yeah. Wow, that was such a great feeling. Oh my God, it was uh, probably one of the happiest days in in my Vancouver life here. Um, I Yeah, it, it feels great. But as you know, <laughs> it happened in, um, in April last year, 2023. 
And as you know what happened in May 2023, mm. the strike hit. So basically I didn't feel any advantages of having an agent yet, unfortunately. Yeah. Hopefully it will move right now somehow and yeah, <laughs> the, the industry <laughs> will, will keep going. But yeah, then I realized that, okay, this is great. I have an agent, but I still need work. I've uh, been applying for jobs a lot, like different kind of things regarding video production, um, like social media things kind of that are related to video, like everything I could find where I could um, apply my skills. Yeah. But what I face that people just find me overqualified and they just do not want to answer. Mm. And it is frustrating yeah. because, you know, when I'm applying for this job, even if I'm overqualified, it, I still need it. Yeah. I still need a job. That's why I'm applying. And it's somehow, it was a wall. I couldn't know how to break, honestly, because so my qualification was not my advantage, but a disadvantage. Yeah. It felt awful. <laughs> honestly, I, I, it's just, I understand why people can do that, mm. but at the same time, I do not. Yeah. Yeah. So then networking helped. Yeah. And then you, Sabrina, thank you so much for that. Connected me to the beautiful, wonderful company of Winsun Sky. There was another step before that, though. Okay. Uh, I, <laughs> you, I remember because you had posted something that you had just completed a course oh, in yes. like. Oh um, I even forgot about it. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm the Christina Sivolapa institutional memory here. No, you did. Um, <laughs> was it? It was like in like um, script supervising. Yes. Or, yeah. Yes. And so, and you're like, I'm looking for this kind of work. Um, I have this call. And I'm like, that's great. And I said, how would you feel about, like, if I propose you to, like, you know, connect you with a company where they do, like, animation and stuff? And you were like, I don't know. I've never worked in animation. And I'm like, no. There is transferable skills, you know, if you know how to, if you can do, be organized and do script supervising in, like, in live action, you can do it in animation, too. So I kind of connected you with somebody who, incidentally, had also seen your film. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that helped, yes. yeah, and that helped, and you know, so that was somebody where I knew that they were that they they would be open minded. But I, but that's the thing, I made the connection. Yeah, you you, you, you made landed a connection, yeah. and I feel that they were still very um, unsure about having overqualified person for that kind of position because I've started as a PA there. Yeah, and in three months they've promoted me thanks to them that they yeah just saw me and my potential but at the same time yeah they needed someone to advocate for me Mm. when they hire an overqualified person because it kind of i i know it sounded kind of scary for them for some reason still you know interesting but yeah Yeah, it it is a weird challenge it sounds weird but it is a challenge because if somebody's applying yeah, and speaking of script supervising, yeah. <laughs> thanks for reminding me. Oh my gosh, so many things happened. I already forgot. Yeah, so that was my journey yeah. of thinking, okay, what else, what skills I do have to kind of maybe learn a new profession? Yeah. And I've realized that actually my um, superpower as a director is that I notice a lot of details. Mm. When I see a shot, I see everything. Like... I I can notice little things and yeah. this is what script supervisor does, right? They yeah. have to notice all the different changes to connect the shots together. They also have to know editing very good, which I know because I've been editing as a director with editors a lot of times, months. <laughs> and uh, I thought that this is interesting because it it's a cool job when you are close to director and close to actors and you are needed and you are very helpful so yeah. i i i just want to have a job when i feel helpful you know yeah. this is important for me i think it's important like for I mean, people yeah. feeling 
you know, especially people who have come through trauma and just to be here, I think everybody deserves the, it should be, it's like on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yeah. right? Yeah. Feeling useful, feeling needed, Contribution, you right? know, absolutely. That's important. Give people the opportunity to, to do that. Yeah. So uh, I've took a course for yeah. script supervising to learn this um, kind of profession. And yeah, I've tried to find work there. But we were in the middle of the strike still, so it didn't yeah. really work out. But it did work out yeah. somehow. And I'm grateful to have a job now, yes. Was there, because I've heard of Ukrainians, displaced Ukrainians, who've come to Canada and have found it such a hard nut to crack and have not and ha, have not been welcomed in the same way and have literally can't afford to stay and have had to go back, have returned. Like, was there ever a moment where you're like, oh, I'm going to have to go I know those situations yeah. as well. I know people who went back not to Ukraine, but to Europe, for example, because they felt, okay, it is easier because at least it's cheaper, yeah. you know, at least like in Poland or in Portugal. Um, my situation is probably different because I've been looking at all this through the eyes of a mother as well. Yeah. And uh, it was like, one of my big reasons to flee the war is that I have the kid yeah. and I just felt I don't want her to be traumatized more because she is already traumatized. Yeah. We woke up together um, hearing missiles, you know, in the center of Kiev. But uh, I've tried to do my best to just reduce this trauma and mm. I have seen how great she feels here. She, such a cool kid. She adapted <laughs> so quickly. In yeah. two months, she started speaking English fluently. She now doesn't have any accent. I'm so jealous. And no, I love your voice. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> and uh, she found um, passion in soccer, for example. It's something that was discovered here because so many soccer opportunities for kids I love here. too that you're embracing the uh, North American calling it soccer and not the European and everywhere else in the I world know, calling I, it football I had to because like people were not understanding me so I'm like okay let's call it soccer sure yeah <laughs> so she found new community new friends and when I've looked at that I didn't have that hesitation to yeah. be honest because that's like I feel responsibility yeah. for her and I want to have her give her a happy childhood and I yeah. feel that this is happening now so yeah um I've just faced these challenges of finding a job as that's how it is like I just have to deal with it as an adult as yeah. a responsible parent what has happened to your your dreams of working as a director have you put them on a have you put them on a shelf for now? Are you still developing ideas? Um, or is it something you're like, I'll just think about it later? Like where it where is that? Or is it still very central to your identity? Oh yes, it is. Yeah. I remember That's why I learned how to say um Regisserka. <laughs> Regisserka, yes. And it's like, do you know the difference? Uh, in English, there's no difference. It's always director. Yeah. But in Ukrainian, you can say director in the female way and in, in male. So yeah. basically, like actress and actor are different words. Regisserka. Regisserka. It's she director, yeah. right? Which is great. I love it, actually. Um, so, yeah, it's something that's was with me I'm not going to give up yeah. I do not know how long it will take me but I'm on my way mm. and I want to get that director's chair <laughs> I've been developing a short film here for a while it takes time because well you know when you're doing a short film like an indie film with people who have dates jobs yeah. and all these things it takes so much time and we also want to uh, bring an actor from ukraine and we've been waiting for a visa for him for months like little different challenges mm. but i'm hoping that we will shoot it soon yeah 
so I might have some news about it. So I'm just like trying to do what I can personally. Okay, short film is something that it is possible to yeah. kind of make by your uh, just connecting with the people, right? But at the same time, I would love to have like um, a job job yeah. that can require my directing skills. Hopefully, it'll happen soon. Yeah. But you're working now and you're working in the industry. And I can even tell you're, you're so much more relaxed. So we are one week away from the second North American screening of Vidana. Um, this is a screening that you yourself are organizing at uh, Centennial Theater, beautiful Centennial Theater in North Vancouver. Can you tell us wh why now, why this film uh, in you know presented in North Vancouver in this community right now and what it means to you to present it there yeah of course thanks I was basically um, welcomed by North Vancouver community when I just came I was talking about my host family and uh, it was in North Van I've made beautiful neighbors and I've made some great friends and one of them was Pat Kelly. Oh my God, she's she, amazing. <laughs> she is such an amazing, she has so much energy and she has helped us so much yeah. just like in these like everyday things. It It's just priceless how she helped us and uh, she attended our premiere um in vancouver and she told me hey let's do same in north vancouver like we have people there who would love to see it and we decided that it will be like my um gratitude to the community as well mm. to just yeah a way of saying thank you so i thought why not yeah. let's do it to be honest, I I didn't think that organizing a screening of a film that already exists is that challenging. I have no comment. Yes, because like on your event, I was just welcomed as a guest. And, you know, it was a different kind of, as I used to, honestly, all my life, I was invited as a director to say a word, to maybe do a Q&A after the screening, all these things. But I've never organized an event myself. And now I can say, well, hey, event organizers, I appreciate your that's work. That's something else. Oh my that's gosh. another skill then that you can put on oh, your yeah. CV. Event <laughs> producer, right. you're literally doing it. Oh, yes. Yeah. The screening is a couple of things. It is a gesture of gratitude to the community in North Vancouver. It's also a fundraiser for the Adam Tactical Group. Why did you choose to support this particular group with the fundraiser? First of all, I do know people from the group personally. Yeah. And uh, they are filmmakers. Yeah. And I found that when I talk to people here in Canada, when I talk about people on front lines, um, sometimes, usually, people here think that they are professional military people. Mm. But the reality is that yes we do have professional military people on the front line but lots and lots thousands of people are just volunteers yeah. that did different things in their everyday lives and just volunteered themselves to go to the front line yeah. and learned how to do it lots of a lot of them never attended army in their lives yeah so one of them actually was victor onesco uh, the editor of the film Vidana, he has tragically died on the front line in December 2022. Yeah. Um, he had a daughter the same age as my daughter. And I remember when we were editing the film, um, in our pauses between talks about film and everything, we talked about kids. Mm. And I remember him being such a loving father. I was just amazed by how he was involved and happy to, to have this father role. 
and it's just heartbreaking it is heartbreaking that the that such good people valuable people have to die on the war so i feel that we as civilians uh, who care have to do everything we can to support those who are still alive there mm. and um, Adam Tactical Group is comprised of lots of people and they do have um, filmmakers there I worked with so Yaroslav Pilunsky is a very talented one of the most famous Ukrainian DOPs he is now in the front line doing some drone reconnaissance work basically they are using the same drones we use for film wow. like these are the film drones because yeah sometimes when i say drones people think it's a weapon no it is a film drone yeah uh he uses his skills on the front line to do recon re how do you say this word reconnaissance, reconnaissance. No, you got it you got okay. it <laughs> thanks <laughs> and um we want to raise money for these drones because yeah. they are expensive and they got damaged on the war. Yeah, so they get quickly. they get destroyed a lot a of time. Lot. Yeah, and like what they're so valuable though. They save they lives. They are yes. Yeah. So I would love to raise money for these drones for yeah. the people I know, and I know that they are in need of those hopefully we can do that we're gonna do that we're gonna do that um and to do it with a screening of a film uh you know that that victor edited that i'm sure a lot of the people in the credits are now you know on the front lines um it's very powerful can you because we haven't actually talked about this yet um can you like tell people what the film is about <laughs> we did say it was like very expensive like you know this big big you know big budget period piece and um but and and you know it's based on a novel and uh, and it's gorgeous and sumptuous and magical realism but can you tell the director uh regisserka please tell us what the story is <laughs> yeah sure i'd love to so yeah the film is based on a novel it's a best-selling ukrainian novel called felix austria it is translated uh, in English yeah it, just last year there was a, yeah. a new edition yeah yes, and it's the novel itself is great yeah it's one of my favorite Ukrainian writers Sofia Andruhovich and it is a beautiful writing so actually it was a big challenge for me to make a film from it because the book itself is great you mm. know and how to make it not worse was a challenge um, you know, because yeah. people who read books, they always say, oh, book is better. Mm. <laughs> but of course we did face it. Of yeah. course people who read the book say this. A book but is well. a book and a film is a film. Yes, yeah. I agree. This is just different. Like, it can't be compared, to be yeah. honest. Uh, the story is about um, codependent relationship of two women. They are lost in their roles. They do not know if their mother and a daughter, maid and a mistress, or maybe sisters. Yeah. Like they are lost because their father didn't quite explain it to them. And now they grew up and they're trying to figure this out. So film is, yeah, it's a period piece. It's um, set in the Austro-Hungary because Ukraine was then Austro-Hungarian. And yeah, we tried to depict, we tried to show the multicultural Ukraine because yeah. that's what it was yeah. 100 years ago. Um, and yeah, it's a little bit of, magical realism as you said because i realized that it's kind of hard to make it was a big budget for ukraine but it's still a small budget for a period piece right. so i had to do some creative decisions of how to make it look realistic or not so mm. basically i chose to add some magic to this not to 
mm, you know look un untrue mm. okay I'm gonna put a pin in talking about the film then because I'm gonna be asking you questions after the film screening because I'm yes. hosting the Q&A after the screening that's amazing um, and I will pop a link to uh, for people to buy tickets in the footnotes for this episode let's let's end by speaking to hmm, this is a huge thing for me because you know I look at you know the where the um widespread attention was you know uh right after full-scale invasion and um and you know the support for ukraine you know all across western countries and and then um how interest waned and i remember talking to adrian petri at the time and really he he was like sabrina it's great that we're getting all this attention and support but it's going to go away and we have to if we're going to be in it we have to be in it for the for the long haul, you know, and we still have people who say to me, oh, the war is still going on. Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought it was over. So let's, I want to speak to those people right now, people who, what do you wish people who aren't Ukrainian understood about this war? Why should people outside of Ukraine care about what's happening within its borders? Yeah, that's a great topic. Thanks for raising it. Uh, it is difficult because even like inside Ukraine in 2023, there was a feeling that maybe it will end soon. Mm. But when that spirit kind of went away, right now there is an understanding that this is a long run, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think we do realize that this kind of take more time to yeah. end and which means that more people will die and more support is needed because it's not ending yeah. well it's it's difficult to to talk you know to non-ukrainians because i understand how challenging it might be with lots of awful things happening in the world you know lots of wars happening right now and whom would you support it's it's i don't i sometimes feel like this is just our problem because it's like our war but at the same time no it's not yeah. it's like ukrainians are fighting for democracy Basically, they are even um, defending whole European Union from the Russian invasion because Ukraine happens to be in the middle That's of right. those. Geographically, unfortunately, this location has been like this for years. Yeah. And Ukraine is holding. Yes. Holding off the big sick rabid wild dog from going and devouring all the rest of Europe. Yes, yes. And if it if it's not holding, the whole world will feel that. Yeah. So basically supporting Ukraine, you defend the planet. Yeah. <laughs> I know it, it sounds like like very loud. Yeah, that's true. But that's how it feels. Yeah. And I also, I will also say, because I know that there's like fatigue, people have fatigue. And honestly, here in North America, we have not known a war on our soil uh, for centuries, <laughs> you know, uh, and, you know, it's, it, it is not for me, but for others, kind of easy to like, you know, turn it off and push it far from mind. Um, but we can't do that. And we can also hold space for multiple, multiple things that are going on in the world, multiple wars, multiple genocides, multiple traumas and injustices. And not only can, but we should and we must uh, because we, we answer to our ancestors and we answer to our, our future. So um, it's very important. Christina, Christina Savolap. Thank you for coming today. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure talking to you. 
I love talking to you. You know that. Okay. Um, where can our listeners find you, follow you, celebrate you, support you on social media? Uh, I'm an Instagram person, so please follow me on Instagram. I do post in Ukrainian usually, but there is a beautiful translation button. Thanks, Instagram, for that. Yeah, but I recently, I don't have to hit that as much anymore. I'm very proud of myself. That's amazing. <laughs> and then if I don't know what I sounded out, and then it usually comes to me. So, yeah, you, good good content. It's, not, it's been nice to also look at um, the lower mainland through your eyes, because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm basically a potato I don't leave my couch so I'm like oh look Christina's gone on another beautiful hike oh I love hikes (laughs) reading next to a lake some on some mountain or something so that is wonderful content um and so real aid a film fundraiser for Ukraine takes place at 7 30 p.m on Saturday February 10th at Centennial Theater in North Vancouver come early you can meet people and listen to music and and you know just like get get tap into some of those incredible generous ukrainian vibes uh for tickets and additional information visit centennialtheater.com or head to the footnotes for this episode at yvrscreenscene.com also at 1 p.m on february 24th join thousands of displaced ukrainians ukrainian canadians and supporters of Ukraine for a two-year anniversary rally and march at the Vancouver Art Gallery, organized by my beloved Ukrainian-Canadian advocacy group. The war is not over. Ukraine is still fighting for its freedom. Thank you for not looking away. Thank you for standing with Ukraine. The YVR Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by myself, Sabrina Rani Furminger and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad and to Paul Furminger for technical support. You know this already, Christina. We are a family business here. Wyvare Screen Scene is a division of Furminger. No, that's wrong. Fish Flight Entertainment. Furminger Fish Flight Entertainment. Find us on all the socials at YBR Screen Scene and at Sabrina on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts for free and at our home on the web at yvrscreenscene.com. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. Slava Ukraini. Heroim Slava. Heroim Slava. This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com.